on this episode of the Survival Dispatch podcast with Chris Heaven. I'm joined by Casey from Georgia Bushcraft, and we're going to be discussing all things bushcraft. Casey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Uh, you know, before we jump in, uh, can you give our listeners a short bio? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, my name is Casey Deming. I'm the director and owner of uh, Georgia Bushcraft. Um, I also own a couple other companies, uh, Bushcraft Coffee and uh, Griffin Pocket Tool. Um, nice. So, uh, so Georgia Bushcraft, I've probably been doing the longest. Um, if you're unfamiliar with Georgia Bushcraft, we are a outdoor education company. And um, our sole goal is to facilitate an environment where people can come down and uh and learn learn how to be more self-reliant um learn how to have fun outside um but we, we try to provide an environment where instructors can come and teach uh, people who can come and learn um, vendors can come and sell and and kind of establish you know a, a really fun outdoor community um where we're all learning and and trying to better ourselves in the next generation so, so um just uh, so our listeners know, so Georgia Bushcraft, you're obviously in the state of Georgia near Watkinsville, and yep. and you host a couple big events each year, and then some smaller events on a regular, ongoing basis. Um, tell me about the fall gathering, which is coming up shortly. My understanding is that's the largest event of its type in the country. Yep, yep. So our uh, our fall gathering. So we do two main events a year uh spring and a fall fall gatherings spring camp out the fall uh which is november 3rd through the 5th uh in watkinsville georgia um is is our largest event of the year um but pretty much the largest bushcraft gathering uh in the country and probably the world um we've got people that come from all over the country we've got a bunch of international folks that come out um and uh it's three days long and there's hundreds of different classes that happen from Friday morning through Sunday lunch um, that are happening every hour. We have nearly 100 different vendors of different manufacturers of outdoor gear, uh, blacksmiths, knife makers, um, you name it, any sort of like outdoor related type of gear or subject um, we have going on in, uh, in one place. So, so yeah, so that's our fall gathering. Yeah, so we were there last year and uh, thoroughly impressed with the the quality of vendors and and the breakout sessions and stuff. Um, could you dive a little deeper as far as the the breakout sessions, the workshops are concerned? Give me an idea of, or give our listeners an idea of some of the uh, skills and topics that are covered. Yeah, man. Um, so so kind of how the information or the education is is sort of structured. Uh, we have a few different types of things. So we have demos that are happening. So you could walk up to um, one of our different blacksmiths with their uh, anvils and forges all set up and learn how to blacksmith. Or we have um, our, lo our local uh, falconer um, birds of prey uh, organization. So if you're interested in becoming a falconer, uh, you can learn about that. Um, we have classes on any sort of like primitive or survival type of skill. So you know, we have folks that are teaching primitive shelters or water purification, um, that kind of thing. Um, if you want to do, um, you know, primitive, primitive fire making. So anything from bow drills to um, any sort of other fire starting skills. Um, but then we have things like astrophotography. We've got a guy who brings his 
you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollar telescope out. And so nice. throughout the weekend, it's really cool. Um, he's got it out. And so assuming we actually have like clear weather, um, we're in one of the darkest places uh, at nighttime as far as like the sky goes uh, in Georgia. And so it's fantastic to be able to see nebula and crazy stuff like that. Um, you know, and then, you know, we, we have a sawmill. So, uh, this year I want to try and do some, some classes on making lumber. So a lot of like self-reliant, um, kind of homesteading skills as well. Trying to really grow that kind of category. Uh, um, you know, learning how to garden, learning how to take care of backyard chickens, um, uh, wild edible, we do a lot of wild edible and medicinal plant walks. So, um, a few different instructors that are, are pretty well known, uh, authors in this kind of world. Um, they'll take you on a walk around the property and we'll talk about, um, the, the different wild medicinal and edible plants that are out there. Um, we have our beekeeper, we've got just so much different stuff. It's kind of too much. That's one of our problems. We have <laughs> too much information not enough time to learn it um so it's kind of like a sampler plate really um to be able to just start to figure out what you like or want to kind of learn a little bit more about um as far as like self-reliant topics yeah and i mean what i personally find interesting is that these are all uh, perishable skills that perish if you don't use them and that's essentially what's happened to our society so what you know, all those different topics you covered and things that we would consider, you know, survival skills, self-reliant skills. Um, that was just life only a couple generations ago. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, Absolutely, man. you didn't have to be a subject matter expert on any of these things. You know, that's stuff that my grandparents, for example, they just did every day to stay alive and, you know, God forbid, but if we find ourselves in a situation where, you know, our electrical grid is taken out, you know, it's not protected from EMPs, for example, or anything like that. Uh, the vast majority of people are going to, you know, really struggle. I just saw an interesting stat that I think would be interesting in cases. Uh, 1945, yeah. end of the Second World War, 50% of Americans uh, got their food from their own garden. And that number wow. is now below 1% of Americans. So I don't doubt it, man. It's and, and you know, like you don't just plant some seeds and all of a sudden you're good to go, right? It, I mean, it it is a it's a time consuming, laborious uh, deal, and everybody wants to wreck your shit. You know, the critters want to eat your stuff, the bugs. You know, it's it's not an easy go uh, yep, to be self reliant in that regard. So, yeah, that I mean, that's really interesting though that you've provided a venue where people can you know, essentially relearn all of these skills from days and years gone by. Uh, I also noticed that you have, uh, you know, some people from the show alone mm -hmm. and, and whatnot yep. that come and speak to the crowds. I, I can't remember her name. There was a girl there last year. I believe she, she won one of the early, um, you know, alone like Carly, Carly, Carly. There it is. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, it's pretty impressive because she's not, you know, she's not terribly old or anything like that. I, if I had to guess, she was probably under 30 years old. And the, the knowledge she had was like really, really impressive. Um, and she's I, wonderful. There's there's just so many really great folks, especially part of that community, too. Like the folks have been on alone. Got some of like the naked and afraid type guys and girls um, and and several other like 
self-reliant bushcraft type shows. Um, but yeah, but Carly's fantastic. She she's taught several different classes for us, but one of the most popular, she makes baskets. That's one of her her yeah. uh favorite things to do. And and definitely one of the most popular classes we offer that always fills up. Um, but think about it. I mean, it seems like a, a trinkety little craft type thing, but I mean, it's kind of important if you need to make something to carry things with if you don't have it and to be yeah. able to craft something like that, you know, it's like it seems kind of girly, but but at the end of the day, it's actually it's pretty neat uh, skill to be able to learn how to do correctly, you know. Yeah, and a skill that most of us have no experience with. You know, we would be completely winging it. Doesn't mean we couldn't, you know, come up with something functional, but it certainly wouldn't be spectacular. Yeah, I, I got to tell you that uh, the one thing that stood out to my wife and I last year when we were there. Is, you know, you get this large gathering of people and Sunday is people, you know, we're packing up their tents and RVs and so on and so forth and leaving. We didn't see a single piece of trash on property anywhere. You know what I mean? Like everybody cleaned up after themselves. Everybody was super respectful. It's a it's a really interesting community, you know, relative to some other you know, unnamed groups in our society yeah. these days. It's, it's, um, I have to say we're definitely, really, we're very blessed to have the community that we have. Um, but there's something about it. And, and we've been doing this now. This is our 11th year, uh, since nice. we started in 2012 as about maybe a dozen folks in the woods, just camping and wanting to learn more, more skills. Um, you know, 11 years later, you know, thousand plus other folks later, um, it is weird to have a community these days that we've never had any fights. Um, we've never had to kick anybody out. And, and it's not that we don't allow alcohol, you know, things like that. It's just that people want to be here because th they're, they want to better themselves. They want to better their children. They want to learn more about these, these things that people were doing. Like you said, a hundred years ago, this was a pretty standard thing. Yeah. And pretty quickly we forgot how to do it. And, uh, and, if we forget, what do you think our kids are going to do? Yeah. They're not going to know at all. And, and in two generations, we'll have nothing. And uh, and so to me, that's a terrifying thought. And so as many as many of the next generation as we could get rolling and teaching these skills, um, it, or teach these skills to, you know, I think us as a, as a community, but like as a country as a whole, we're going to do a lot better versus if we don't start now, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my mindset with it yeah i couldn't agree more and it's funny that you mentioned you know you've never had to throw throw anybody out there haven't been any fights and stuff like that um i didn't even witness any arguments while we were there everybody was extremely friendly and helpful to each other um so it's definitely a, a very unique and special community you know as far as being that i don't think bushcraft really encompasses the you know range of things right it's it's probably better to say something like self-sufficiency self-sustaining yeah you know <clears throat> sort of group um which you know for example i've i've driven fast cars and fast trucks and fast motorcycles my entire life uh, I, i'm not a tree hugger but i do believe in protecting our environment and whatnot and it was just interesting that you get a mix of people like ourselves you know we're pretty you know, I guess you could say dyed in the wool, libertarian slash conservative sort of thing, right? 
and the, a lot of people are at the opposite end of the spectrum you know they're very liberal in their views and stuff i didn't hear a single argument disagreement anything it was all you know very copacetic which was which is impressive kudos for building that by <laughs> i appreciate that man yeah i mean i don't know if it has anything to do with me i think it's just really the i don't know the the feel of the community just i don't know people just want to be there and for a good reason you know there's there's not a lot of selfishness in it it's more of just trying to i don't know better yourself better your community um and yeah you would think like a, typically like the outdoor world you, you have a lot of the granola type folks um and they they typically stray one way or the other but um it's strange to imagine everybody actually getting along it's a weird thing these days but like it's a bubble and yeah. i've heard people say it when they leave you know they're like man it, it, i'm back to reality now and it kind of sucks but like when we're there it's it's its own world you know what i mean it's like it's you you really don't even pay attention to what's going on outside of it um and i don't know man uh and i gotta say too a lot of like as far as like the trash and stuff goes um big shout out to our volunteers because without them um i don't know if it would look as good as it does because they are on the ball all the time and that's they're the engine that keeps this car running man um to keep nice. a, a thousand folks happy in a very small i say small and in, in a quaint environment for three days is uh is a lot of work and for the handful of folks that help me do that it would be, not be possible without them so um so if you want to volunteer we always need more volunteers <laughs> but uh shout out to uh to free admission and uh free food and a bunch of other cool stuff so yeah and it, i mean it's it's interesting like it goes i we found it even kind of went beyond that 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 the generosity is is uh striking as well and with numerous yeah. people we'd never met before and they had some, first one i can think of is dustin from wazoo gear yeah. and he's, awesome. he's showing us stuff and we're like man that's really neat you know very innovative um good job and he's like yeah you can keep it and we're like well you you don't have to give us it no no i want to and then the next thing you know he comes back half an hour later with another batch of stuff you know so um and he wasn't the only one which which was yeah. what the generosity was was really impressive just overall the whole experience very positive very good awesome learning experience and as you mentioned you know like the big ones coming up here in november but you have a spring one as well correct yep yeah the spring one's a little different so um, we try to mix it up. If we do two events every four to six months, it kind of gets old quick, right? Um, so the gathering in the fall is more of a, um, you have a lot more lectures. You have a lot more sit down, you know, listen to somebody talk about a specific um, type of subject. Um, you know, it's very, very education based, but then still a ton of fun. I mean, we have live music, we have food trucks, we have competitions and and we have a lot going on. Um, and so for me, the fall needed to, or the spring needed to be different than the fall a little bit. Um, so we say in, in spring, we still have vendors. We still have, you know, classes and demos, but less lecture based stuff and more like hands on type things. Um, awesome. More like learning how to make like working on different crafts, working on your skills a little bit more, um, you know, getting a little bit more into the dirt. Uh, we also do a, um, we call it our bushcraft flea market uh, in the spring. So if you, if you're anything like me and you got a bunch of crap, 
uh, yeah. that you've collected over the years. And what better than a way of just bringing it out and having a big old trade blanket? Um, and so a couple times throughout that weekend, people bring all their wares and randomness and kind of throw it into the mix. And so you're you're trading, you're you're bartering, um, you're talking gear, you're talking shop, um, and it just becomes a different kind of more fun environment too. If you're if you're a gear junkie like me, um, yeah, that's likewise. So uh, <laughs> you know, I I would do that in the fall, but there's just unfortunately not enough time. So we try to make time in spring for it. Yeah, um, we missed the spring event this year. We had a, a scheduling conflict, but I didn't realize that y'all did, you know, like a a marketplace, for lack of a better term, flea market, whatever. That That's pretty cool, yeah, because in the survival dispatch, we get buried in stuff. And, you know, sometimes we get accused of slapping products, but in reality, it's the exact opposite. We don't accept affiliate commissions from people for the most part. There's a very few exceptions to that because we don't want to appear that we've got a dog in the hunt, right? So buy this product because we're making money, number one. Number two, we have a pretty strong commitment to do no harm to other people's businesses. So we get sent stuff, it falls short. Yep. We send it back, inform the vendor, whoever it is. And I'm glad we do that because a number of times it's been something that got damaged in shipping and it was internal damage. We didn't know it was damaged. It just didn't work. Um, and then they send it back to us or we've critiqued something and people sent back, you know, another model a few months later that addresses the problem. But in reality, I would say, you know, 80%, at least as a minimum, of the stuff that we're sent never goes on our, you know, channels, yeah. doesn't go on our website. It's just not up to par. And we don't want to excoriate those people. We don't want to hurt those other people. So we're not slapping stuff. We're actually cherry picking what we feel is the best of the best and we're not getting you know commissions on it and stuff like that but here's yeah. the problem and it speaks to what you just brought we end up with mountains of this crap and you know we we did give it away every chance that we get because we don't have enough room for it all you know it's it's yeah accumulating gear is definitely an issue <laughs> sort of thing. oh totally man and your accumulation of gear is somebody else's treasure um, hey you know it's great to put a smile on somebody's face. You know, Absolutely. it's happened many times. Somebody's like, Hey, yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah, Y'all can have it. And they're like, what? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. That, <laughs> Please that's one take thing. it away. Absolutely, man. That's one thing that we try and do as much as possible. If you ask anybody that's ever been to one of our events, um, we have a, um, a huge emphasis on giving away stuff. Nice. Uh, because to me, I always remember, the times that I've won free stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. I won a Yeti one time and I'll never forget that. You know, I bought a $5 ticket at a, that a shop somewhere in North Carolina and I won a Yeti 75 and I will never forget that probably because it's a $500 cooler. Right. You know what I mean? But like, but like even a knife or a flashlight or a, a ferro rod or whatever it may be, um, people typically remember where they were when they see that item or think about it. And, uh, and so, we have a ton of sponsors. We have a ton of vendors who make really cool gear and they give it to us to give away. That's awesome. Uh, and so we we really try to highlight as much of uh, of giveaways and raffle type things as possible. So we do on Friday, a big raffle Friday night, Saturday night, and now on uh, again on Sunday. Um, just because we have so much stuff and we don't want to sit there for hours like we used to have to do. So now we do it three days a week. Um, or three days throughout the throughout the event and yeah. um 
and people really enjoy it, man. We have fun with it. You know, people are all cheering. We're throwing stuff into the crowd and um, just, just check out our channel. If you, if you're, anybody's ever interested, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and all that. Uh, we've got a bunch of videos of people just going wild for gear, you know, because that, that's all awesome. like free stuff. Yeah. And it's great to, you know, put a smile on somebody's face and it's great to, it's very altruistic to share stuff just because you hit on social media um, at Georgia Bushcraft. Is that the the handle for everything? Yep. Okay. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all the socials, TikTok, X, Twitter, whatever the heck you call it. Yeah. Um, YouTube, um, all that. And GeorgiaBushcraft.com. Okay. That's, that's cool. So next question would be, so you've got the, this large fall event and another large event in the spring, mm -hmm. but it, if memory serves me right, when I looked at your calendar, you do have some other stuff going on in between them, correct? Yep. Yeah. We try to stay busy throughout most of the year. Uh, I cut out the summer cause that, that sucks. No one wants to be in, the, woods in, in the summer in Georgia without, you know, uh, sitting in a baby pool drinking a beer like <laughs> that's that's no fun for anyone. uh but besides like from may to august um we try to do weekend workshops so uh we'll do different weekend long classes with instructors so uh, one in particular we've got coming up uh in a few weeks beginning of september is bushcraft kelso um oh, okay. anybody knows him he's yeah pretty big on instagram and a bunch of other places and uh but Kelso does several classes for us. He'll do a uh, kind of like a bushcraft basics or bushcraft 101 type course. Um, we do a firecraft weekend. We do a, a wilderness survival weekend uh, and then an advanced kind of bushcraft weekend. Um, but then we've got Craig Caudill with Nature Reliance. He does okay. a uh, he's doing a navigation class for us in November or October. Um, nice. But then we've other we've done naturalist courses with him. So learning about wild edibles medicinal plants things like that um we've got a women in the wild course coming up it's like a women's only weekend um with jacks she's awesome she's a um a fantastic instructor and so that that's going to be a really good class um we, we do a bunch of different like very hyper focused weekend courses um and i want to try and do even more like saturday workshops and things like that um just to get people outside and you know, you may not live close, so it may not apply to you. But um, if you're if you are sort of close, it's it's worth the drive to, to come check out. Yeah, you know, as you're mentioning all these things, you know, I'm thinking that you've got some companies um, like Fieldcraft Survival, for example, that do lots of you know uh, first aid training, a bunch of tactical stuff and whatnot, uh, survival skills, but they don't really cater to what you cater to they don't necessarily have to focus on the bushcraft the homesteading and the yeah. self-reliance piece and i've been racking my brain before we even got on this call thinking to myself you know who else is there out there that does what you do on the scale that you do and i, I honestly can't think of anybody uh are you aware of anybody there's a few other folks and and a lot of them do a good, I don't know, I say good, a, a mix of some of this content, some of this information. Um, but uh, but it's it's a little bit of this survival, a little bit of that. And um, and so I don't know. I, I definitely like to offer more self-reliant type stuff. You know what I mean? Like we 
we were talking about like um you know field craft type stuff and and they do a bunch of with like any type escape and evade a lot of tactical mm -hmm. type stuff uh control the bleed and those are all really important things um and that's to me like i i see that in the the survival kind of category which is like um i don't know i try to i try to think of them as almost like a time-based thing a lot of people are like what's the difference between bushcraft what is bushcraft uh right. but the difference between bushcraft survival homesteading um and to me bushcraft is kind of a i don't know it's it's kind of a i see it as a term where it's taking those essential foundational survival skills and then honing in on them right um and 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 really creating it more of a craft um so that if you ever are in those situations you have a little bit better understanding um of the tools in which you're using um or how to manipulate and make your own tools um for those specific situations um but it's more of a long-term situation right like emergency survival is like 72 hours very right. short amount of time right yeah. so your field craft is you're getting out of the city you're you're, you're escaping evading or you're you're dealing with that situation right there um imagine a little bit longer type scenario where you're stuck out there for a longer period of time that's kind of where your your bushcraft skills come into play where um you're building a base camp you're you're creating tools that that you may need for a longer period of time you know what i mean like um kind of a quick step before you get into the homestead the long-term type of survival um so and plus it's kind of more fun too you just you do a little bit different things you know making baskets or tools and things like that yeah that i mean sense. for whatever it's worth my perspective on on bushcraft is really that uh, you don't have all of the amenities of modern day you know tools and implements uh, per se and like you said you make your own tools um you know like it i don't see your average person getting stranded in the woods for whatever reason and having uh you know the thinking process to smack two river rocks against each other to get a sharp edge you know to do the next next task right people don't know what they don't know and the yep. bushcraft skills in particular really strike me as perishable skills. These are things that have been lost to society. And if people don't learn them and use them, you know, that they don't have them either. Whereas I think like some of the other stuff, and I'm not against it, don't get me wrong, because I mean, I love different gadgets and gear and all that stuff, probably more than the average person does, you know, so I like having, you know, the cool short barreled rifle that, you know, that's suppressed. And I like having, you know the the power stations and solar panels so that i can get free energy you know last year on the saturday of your large event um you know it was pretty cloudy throughout the day on saturday it wasn't inclement weather or anything but it was cloudy and we had actually brought a couple power stations with us with uh different solar panels and we threw them out and it wasn't super bright and uh, one in particular did a phenomenal job of of still gathering what light was coming through and converting it to electricity that's kind of like my thing yeah. i like all that stuff but the bushcraft is definitely a whole other level like you said where you got it's not that you don't even have the modern tools you don't have any tools you know or very little tools you got a pocket knife or you got a fixed blade knife yep. and now go make a shelter go make a fire you know uh, hunt or trap 
and or fish and then process that to cook it over an open fire and eat it's 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 much more higher level of skill from my, like a, my opinion it's sort of like i don't know kind of like an art form but the the reason that you or the reason that i like like the whole term bushcraft or the the thought behind it is it makes you think and it makes you realize man it uh it sure would be a lot easier if I packed in paracord so I don't have to make cordage, you know? Yeah. Well, like, so. you understand what it goes into to make <laughs> these things, make a cutting edge? Well, man, I'm just never going to leave how, leave my house without, uh, you know, a knife or a fixed blade knife or a container to, to capture and boil water, you know? Yeah. Like, or three or four knives. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, I mean, come on now. Uh, but, like, it's it just changes how you think, you know what I mean? So you learn these skills so that you don't have to use the skills. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's to me, the, the mindset, the thought process behind it. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's kind of a underlying theme to survival and prepping in general, right? It's better to be prepared and not need whatever yeah. it is, whether it's something tangible or intangible like knowledge than to not have that knowledge or skill or, piece of equipment at your disposal and need it in a you know yep. a crappy situation sort of thing right yep. so i mean you got a lot of irons in the fire obviously casey so talk to me about bushcraft coffee because i'm a oh. coffee addict uh, if my wife oh, listens to this you know <laughs> she'll uh she will more than concur with that hey uh you and me both brother um, so bushcraft coffee, um, I'll give you the, the, the quick and dirty and on how this all started. Um, so one of our, one of our folks that's been in our group forever, uh, Mike, a really good friend of ours, he owns a coffee shop, um, South of Atlanta. And, um, and so 2019, I went to him, I was like, Hey man, um, I love coffee. Uh, I love to bring camping with me, but like, I kind of like, I don't like crappy coffee. You know what I mean? I'll drink it if I have yep. to. You know what I mean? I, I, I love <laughs> yes. having caffeine. I need to have caffeine. But man, why can't somebody just make good coffee that one isn't a million dollars, but uh, that you could take camping with you? That's just as smooth, so smooth that you don't need creamer or sugar or anything like that. Um, if you're somebody like me, like trying to accessorize my crappy coffee just to make it tolerable. Right. Um, why can't we just make some really smooth coffee? Anyway, so uh, a few years later, now we have Bushcraft Coffee. So that that was like the mindset behind why why we started it. Um, but the next page in that story is not only changing the the type and and how good coffee could be made in the woods, but how you make it in the woods, um, mm -hmm. making it more convenient. And so um, we actually found this. We found a company that was already doing something uh, very similar. Um, and we went to them and, and had our coffee put in their product. Um, so there's a company called Steeped, and they make these things. Imagine a tea bag, right? Um, but with coffee in it instead of tea. And so instead of bringing a percolator or French press or AeroPress or whatever, um, camping with you in the woods, you just bring a packet or two or however many you want, depending on how much coffee you like, um, of these uh, new steep packs we're, we're about to launch. Um, boil up some water, throw the pack in there. And the best part is it actually tastes like our coffee because it is nice. our coffee, you know? Because yeah. um, convenient coffee doesn't have to taste convenient, right? Like there's- Very true. There's, 
that you know what I mean you could do the insta coffee and things like that and it's all right you know what I mean it, it gets the job done but we wanted our coffee that still tasted really good to be even easier to make without any any sort of hassle or work um you know because you see these pour overs that a lot of these folks are selling that are small and lightweight um, but you still gotta like build the thing on top of your cup pour the water over it mm -hmm. just throw it right in and then the best part is it's um fully compostable so it's all oh, cool. basically like this packaging you know this audio podcast so you can't see but um so the packaging is actually it's not plastic it's made out of uh, a plant material like a silicose plant material um, that's fully compostable. So basically you, every single thing that's in this packet can be thrown in the fire, thrown in the dirt. It will become dirt a lot faster than any, anything else that's plastic or anything like that. My, um, my wife would love that. She's got a countertop composter, which is a oh, cool. really cool device. So, you know, you can throw everything from eggshells to food scraps, whatever, and turn it on 20 minutes later, you have this super nutrient dense you know, wow. dirt, basically. And we did an experiment, you know, my wife's a green thumb. And so she went down one half and, you know, put compost on it on a daily basis. And on the other half, she didn't. And in very short order, like we're talking a matter of days, the stuff wow. that got that natural compost just took off. And the stuff that didn't, uh, didn't even change, didn't grow, mm -hmm. you know, um, no that's, new buds and all that kind of stuff so it's, it's a real thing man that's it is that's a cool little little piece of technology i gotta check that out um the the one we have casey it's pretty small i mean the basket might be i don't know if i had to guess maybe 10 inches in diameter and maybe 10 inches deep max but they make ones that i think are you know more in the order of gallons right yeah um, but she loves this little countertop one um it, we're either putting our boiling our food scraps down for our dogs because we make all of our own dog food because uh, we don't want to kill them with chemicals and you know commercially available food so we're either boiling it down for them or we're putting it in the composter so the trash that actually go to goes to the corner is just things you know like boxes and you know containers yep. that kind of stuff and again, we're not, we're the farthest thing you could imagine from being tree huggers, really. But at the same token, by the same token, we love stuff like the packaging you're describing. Yeah. Why wouldn't you make it like that? Why, why should exactly. we sell that off to a landfill if we don't have to? Yeah. I mean, think about it. Look at, look at K cups. How much oh, waste God. is there with a K cup, right? Yeah. And, and so for the, for the same, like for actually less amount of money than a K cup would cost, you get, a delicious amazing coffee it doesn't have to be crappy coffee and something that literally will be compostable on your kitchen counter or in your garden um and you and you don't and, have and to drag you don't have to drag a keurig around with you to make exactly. your coffee um, yep. we've been sending a couple other devices you know that are rechargeable battery type deals where you know, you put water in them and, and it'll boil them like super fast and they come bundled together with coffee, uh, usually cubes, but mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes, it's, it's crappy instant coffee, like an old cup of Sanka or something like that, that just tastes like ass. Yeah. Um, you know, and it gets the job done, I guess, you know, if, if you like being miserable, but <laughs> yeah, bitter. you don't have to be. Like, that's the thing people don't understand. You don't have to be miserable. You're not spending right. a yeah. bunch of money and it's not inconvenient at all. It's easier. It's it's about the same price. And 
it's just, I don't know. So we really like this. So we're, we're going to launch a Kickstarter, uh, September 1st, um, with these, with these steep packs, these new packs. Um, and, and so, but we're not just offering the packs too. That's the other thing is so steep, this company, uh, that, that, that we sent our coffee to that they sent back, um, the packs here. Um, they actually started a Kickstarter in 2018. So, So we're not doing Kickstarter to reinvent the wheel here. What we want to do is, so we're going to offer these, well, to help pay for, we did a first order so we can test them and, and get them out to the community to see what they thought. But um, but we're also trying to figure out new ways to make coffee outdoors convenient. So so we're doing different cook kits. So um, when I go camping, I always bring like a titanium mug set or whatever, yeah. or an AeroPress, depending on you know how fancy I want to be <laughs> that day. Um, so we've been working with some of our industry friends on creating different types of little kits. Um, so are you familiar with like Grim Survival? Grim, yes. they make the cool yeah. little cards and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so Jordan and I, um, uh, we're talking about this and they're also big coffee lovers. And, uh, and so he's like, man, I've got the best idea. Will that thing fit like one of those fit in Altoids tin? Um, uh, because I have a yeah. design for an Altoids tin stove that I've never done before. Um, could we do like, we partner up on a little, like uh, almost like a mer- an emergency pocket, uh, coffee kit. Um, <laughs> so imagine like an Altoids stove. It. It's, it's so, it's really cool. Um, so this, we're also going to release those for the first time ever in this campaign too, uh, yeah, which, um, screw awesome. that F I'm screw that FAQ. As long as you got coffee, <laughs> everything's going to be okay. <laughs> exactly man without a doubt so (laughs) so we'll have different kits and and anyway so we're we're gonna go live september 1st it'll it'll probably run for 30 days um and i have no idea where it's gonna go man this is this is such a side hustle but but i love coffee i love being able to make it easier cheaper better um and if it works awesome you know if not whatever (laughs) but i'm pretty confident so if people want to find this, uh, I'm assuming you'll have a link on georgiabushcraft.com leading to the Kickstarter. Yes. Yeah, we'll okay. have an, cool. we'll have it on our website, uh, bushcraftcoffee.com um, is uh, where you can find our all of our regular coffees as well as this and a link to the Kickstarter. Um, and uh, and we definitely could use and and would appreciate any any sort of support from folks uh, out there listening. Right on. So, you know, as I've mentioned to you offline, you know, uh, our job at survival dispatch is to dispatch information, you know, so our fellow mankind can survive in these very uncertain times. And, and part of that is us seeking out, you know, high value individuals and organizations like yourself and sharing those stories. You know, obviously we have no affiliate relationship with you, right? Like when we're not, don't get any commissions, you didn't pay us to have this conversation, et cetera. And whatnot, but we feel pretty strongly that you know you're in a you, you've got some very uh, unique selling propositions, you know, value adds those sort of things. I so, appreciate it, man. Yeah, I mean it's it's awesome stuff. I mean, I I'm still sitting here racking my brain trying to think who else is in this space, and nobody's really in this space to the extent that y'all are. So, yeah, my my next question is, you you mentioned that you're fixing to open a brick and mortar store, and, yep. and what's that based on? Like, what are you planning on offering? I'm assuming it's going to be in Watkinsville, but yep. give me give me kind of the rundown on that in case anybody happens to find their way and walk or way through Watkinsville. Well, so Georgia Bushcraft is a community, right? Um, 
and we're full of a ton of really cool manufacturers, designers, makers of all sorts of outdoor products. Um, and and so since the beginning, we've done our best to try and and be an outlet for some of those folks. Um, you know, at least the smaller ones, a lot of the bigger ones, they don't need our help. But um, so on our property, uh, when we do our events, we have our little store there and we call it the outpost um, just because we're out in the middle of nowhere. And it's nice to be able to have, um, you know, if you need something for during the event or um, maybe somebody wasn't able to make it down to Georgia for the gathering. Um, so it's a place for them to kind of put their products and for us to display them, talk to people about them. Um, and, uh, so anyway, so, so we're going to open a store. This would be our, my first, uh, brick and mortar store outside of the one we have in the property. We're going to call it the outpost or outpost. Nice. Uh, and, uh, we're also going to have our, our coffee in there. So it'll be kind of a half coffee shop, half, uh, um, you know, outdoor retailer. Um, the idea is I want to, I love vintage and like classic camping. You know, like the old right. school 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, like Coleman, um, something you'd see in a, a Field and Stream magazine, right? like like a traditional outfitter. Um, and I also love the idea of like an old general store, like a country store, right? Absolutely. Um, the the stores that built America, you know, right. know what I mean? The 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 last store on the road um, in the middle of nowhere. Now they're all called uh dollar generals but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh but uh but i wanted i wanted to do a store like that right uh, i wanted to take the companies and things that we're already working with and promoting um and and to be able to put them in a storefront um but i also wanted to create an environment where you could come in drink coffee um and we have this thing it's a we call it our bushcraft library um we have a lot of folks in our group who are older maybe didn't have kids or didn't didn't know what to do with their book collection and uh of of really interesting hard to find um old outdoor manuals or survival books and things like that so they've donated to me over the years okay and cool. so i want to take that uh bushcraft library or whatever you want to call it um i want to put it in the store and i want it to be a place for people to come in and and almost study, like to learn more about how to be self-reliant without having to go, may not want to go and buy all these books or, you know, may not be able to get them. Um, and so just think of an environment where you can learn, hang out, um, check out new cool gear. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. So. Well, I mean, that, that's pretty cool. So, you know, based on the fact that, you know, the, the, focal point of our conversation is bushcraft and uh, i'm going to throw one at you here yeah. in your opinion what are the top five bushcraft skills that people should you know learn yeah absolutely um probably the first skill uh to learn is well depending on which way you look at it first skill is understanding that knowledge weighs nothing right there's no weight to to knowledge so um it's not all about the gear it's all about what you can learn and and cram in your brain um okay. so getting getting past that um i would say think about what what are the what are the most important things to survival you know what i mean um so shelter you know being a pretty big one uh water purification fire starting um i would say having the ability maybe not to start primitive fires, but uh, at least understanding the concept behind it, 
Um, but the mentality of make sure you, you, if you don't know it, bring it, um, and always be prepared. So, okay. I would never, never leave house without some way to start a fire because you can always boil water. Um, you can signal, you can stay warm. Um, navigation, a lot of people really, really omit that ability, um, or really don't know how to be able to navigate on a primitive level, um, uh, or at least with the basics, you know, how to, how to read a compass or a map. Like it's, it's really surprising how many people just don't understand that these days, you know, we're so reliant on our phones. Yeah. I've, I've read a few articles in recent years that say something like the average person mid thirties and below, uh, can't read a paper map. Whereas people my age, you know, early mid fifties kind of grew up with that stuff. And yep. I just had a navigation conversation with somebody and name escapes me right this minute, but um, another thing was is that as long as you can orient orientate yourself and you know start working working your way towards a road um, yep. something that's really applicable here in the southeast uh, to a lesser extent the northeast because some of the roads were built a long long time ago but pretty much everywhere in the southeast every county road intersects a state road intersects an interstate so yep. if you can find your way to a, a county road and you walk on that road long enough, you're going to hit a state road. And if you walk on the state road long enough, you're going to hit a, an interstate and find civilization along the way. But getting to that point, just being able to navigate, you know, out of the woods and whatnot is a, is a tall order for many people. Yeah. It's just being aware of your surroundings before you get lost is a big part of it too, if you can. You know, yeah. assuming not like just dumped in a situation where you have no idea to begin with where you're at, but um, just just paying attention to things, being more observant. Um, and I think probably one of the next most critical skills um, would be understanding nature and basically the naturalist side of things. So knowing what's edible and not edible uh, as far as plants goes, um, being able to identify different types of trees and understand their benefits and uses. Um, mm -hmm you know, for medicinal purposes or, or for edible purposes, um, just understanding what is around you. Most people don't realize you can go out in your front yard and find five different edible plants. You know what I mean? Right. If you have nothing else, you at least can go and eat, you know, dandelion. You can eat a dandelion. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Make <laughs> pine needle, uh, you know, anything. There's uh, so many different uses for the plants that you find right around your yard. Um, and so just be more observant of that, about that. Um, see if you can't, I don't know what, what level you want to get down to, but like you could go from taking a, a, a very inexpensive naturalist course one day a week at a local university down to just finding somebody that's a, that's local and knows what they're talking about in your general area. Right. Um, they're out there. There's a lot of folks out there, um, that just do it for fun. They go foraging and, and stay in national parks um and you learn a lot from them um or just get a book find you a pamphlet you know for for your area or your region uh and kind of study it every time you go somewhere just bring it along with you you know so we have a you know a neighbor's family member you know where our cabin is in north georgia in the mountains and he's got a very very dry sense of humor and one of the first times i met him we got on this topic of navigation and, you know, we were discussing, you know, trees in the northern hemisphere typically grow, you know, towards the south to get the sunlight and whatnot. And he, he said to me, he said, Chris, have you ever noticed how 
you know, in this particular area of North Georgia, how all the trees grow to the north. And I was like, uh, no, I've never noticed that before. He said, well, do you know why that is? And I said, no idea. He said, well, that's because Tennessee sucks. <laughs> He's just pulling my leg, you know, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but the way he was saying it to me that's he, funny he was kind of setting yep. it up like he was going to teach me this lesson of why the trees grow the opposite direction which they don't by the way but it, it was pretty no. comical no so. never never believe in generalizations like that but that's that's funny man that's true it was he, so, he's a good old boy uh, he's got a great sense of humor so all right casey <laughs> well um we're going to wrap up here. So at Georgia Bushcraft and all the socials out there, georgiabushcraft.com. We've got the big fall event coming up first weekend of November. There's a big spring event. If somebody happens to find themselves in Watkinsville, Georgia, you've got the store opening up. You've got the Bushcraft coffee coming. I mean, I don't know. I, I think you should probably take on a few more hobbies here, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is pregnant with our third child. So congratulations. <laughs> Due in right. february so i got to right. get it all done before then right so. on congratulations uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up no man um i just appreciate your support and uh and thank you for for you know for letting me come on today and, and chat with you um and hopefully we get to see more of uh yourself and the rest of the survival dispatch folks at uh one of our few events coming up careful what you wish for we'll be there <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, man. Thank all you right casey it. appreciate your time thank you have a great day, man.